Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Just uh, turn to someone perhaps that you don't know so well. Um, if, you, if you come as a, as a couple, turn to the other person on the other side of you. I want you to ask that person, what is your safe place? Or where, and where do you go to escape? What is your safe place? Or where do you go to escape? Who would like to share some examples of, uh, of your safe place where you go to escape? What came up? You're pointing to someone, eh? Your room. So creative. My room. I'm joking. That's no, true. Mine as well. Yeah, what else? Eh? Dancing. Very nice. What else? Car. Okay. Zoning out in the car. Safe place. Can turn up the windows and sing at max volume. Yeah? What else? Small group. Ah, oh, you know, as a pastor, that warms my heart to hear that. <laughs> um, brilliant. Okay, so I wanted us to discuss about that a little bit, just to um, discuss about that. My wife's going to um, let me hear about that later, discuss about that. Um, my, my first language Afrikaans, for those of you who wondered. Um, yeah, but we'll, <clears throat> I wanted on the one hand to get you to talking to someone who you don't know so well, but also to, to get your mind in this space around this question. We'll revisit it a little bit later. Um, I want to share tonight around um, a city of refuge, right, or a safe place. Um, when I, when I was ordained last year as, as pastor, um, it was somewhere, I think, the beginning of the second half of the year, um, you know, Lauren said that she feels like I, I probably have to share something, you know, when I'm ordained, um, it, 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 it would be appropriate. Um, and I was like, no, you know, I mean, any will share, that's fine. Um, and then she was quite adamant, and then I like went to our back room where I have quiet time and I was just like, Lord, what do I, what, what do I need to say? Speak to me. It, it, it feels like it needs to be profound at this moment, you know, of the ordination. And, and I didn't really, you know, I didn't really have a, such a big expectation. You know, in hindsight, I, I was desperate, but then I was almost surprised when the Lord really spoke to me. And um, <laughs> that sometimes happens. And, and, um, and God started speaking to me about a city of refuge, and I'd recently read in the Old Testament, how amazing is the Old Testament, right? All these stories, and just like reveals God's character and, and prepares us for the, the gospel that's coming. Um, I must have read that scripture a couple of times, because I've, I've read through the Bible a couple of times, but when I, I read it then, it was, I noticed it for the first time. And I mean, I think many of us have had that experience before. You're like, surely I've read this before, but for the first time it's alive and it's making sense to me and it's, it feels like God is speaking to me through it. And, um, and then I felt God say that it would be the first thing that I preach on in the new year, in 2019. Um, this, I think this was around August or September last year. And, um, and now I didn't know that anyone was going to be preaching on Nehemiah. You know, he's doing a series on Nehemiah, which is the rebuilding of the city. Um, the city of God, the people of God, also a place of refuge, also a place of safety. Um, so I was just really encouraged by that to see how the Lord is, is aligning things and confirming things. Um, 
So I want to start off by reading, reading the text. Um, it's, there's a couple of places in the Word where, where it speaks about the city of refuge. Um, the longest part is actually uh, in Numbers, towards the end of Numbers. Um, so you're welcome to go and read that as well. I'll be reading out of Deuteronomy and Joshua. Um, I don't have any slides tonight, apologies, but you can follow in your Bibles. Um, if you've got your, uh, the U version or Bible app on your phone, I'm reading from the ESV version if you want to um, read from the same one. So in Deuteronomy 19, verse 1 to 7. When the Lord your God cuts off the nations whose land the Lord your God is giving you, and you dispossess them, and dwell in their cities and in their houses, you shall set apart three cities for yourselves in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You shall measure the distances and divide into three parts the area of the the land that the Lord your God gives you as a possession, so that any manslayer can flee to them. Okay? This is the provision for the manslayer, who by fleeing there may save his life. If anyone kills his neighbor unintentionally without having hated him in the past, as when someone goes into the forest with his neighbor, okay, so now it gives an example of what um, unintentionally killing someone could be, right? So when you go into the forest with your neighbor to cut wood and his hand swings the axe to cut down a tree and the head slips from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, You may flee to one of these cities and live, lest the avenger of blood in hot anger pursue the manslayer and overtake him, because the way is long, and strike him him fatally, though the man did not deserve to die, since he had not hated his neighbor in the past. Therefore, I command you, you shall set apart three cities. All right, so then we're going to go over to Joshua 20. Verse 1 to 6. All right, Joshua 20, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Say to the people of Israel, Appoint the cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who strikes any person without intent or unknowingly may flee there. They shall be for you a refuge from the avenger of blood. Ye shall flee to one of these cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and explain his case to the elders of that city. Then they shall take him into the city and give him a place, and he shall remain with them. And if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not give up the manslayer into his hand, because he struck his neighbor unknowingly and did not hate him in the past. And he shall remain in that city until he has stood before the congregation for judgment, until the death of him who is high priest at the time. Then the manslayer may return to his own town and his own home, to the town from which he fled. So who knows what the avenger of blood is? Neil knows. I knew that Neil would know. Um, so the avenger of blood was basically, um, under the, the times that the Israelites were living during this time, they, um, the avenger of blood was an appointed person in each family that would avenge blood, you know, literally get revenge if someone killed a member of their family. And so you're assigned as a person that needs to restore justice in a way. 
um, and avenge your family member's blood if they were murdered. And so that was part of the customs and part of the rules, and that's how it worked. There was nothing wrong with that. Um, and now in these texts, we're seeing that you know, God is already making a distinction. What I love about this text, one of the things is that um, God, the fact that God looks at the heart, right? Um, he makes a clear distinction between um, killing someone intentionally or unintentionally. Right? And, and we do that in our courts today. You know, we try to determine, was that premeditated murder or was it a homicide that wasn't um, intentional, etc. And, and then the punishments are different. But it's very hard for us to actually judge that. Right? We, and we see you know, courts and judges struggling with that all the time and attorneys that have high fees. But God from here is saying, let's look at the heart. Let's look at what the intent in the heart was. And judgment should be based on the, the intent of the heart. And um, he's saying, if someone kills someone unintentionally, I love that. I, I wish someone will make a movie out of this section. Because almost, you can almost see these, like, friends cutting wood in the forest, right? <laughs> it's not funny. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> you know what's going to happen, <laughs> right? <clears throat> but, I mean, you can, I can just imagine, like, you know, Christopher Nolan or some amazing director, and it's just this beautiful forest, and... They're cutting wood and they're chatting and they, you know, they're building a house or whatever. And, and literally, like, you pull back the axe and the head flies off. And you just feel the weight going, right? And then you feel, you hear your friend stopping mid-sentence. I don't know why we're laughing. This is actually not supposed to be funny. But, but you realize that, that this guy is he's dead, you know, he's, um, it was a fatal blow, and, um, and you've killed someone, right? And now you know that under this custom, there's someone from this man's family is going to be hunting you down. Because you killed it. And we know, like in the Old Testament, how God, God cares about blood, right? And he cares about life and, and covenant and everything that it represents around it. But, you know, you've taken human life. And um, you know that as soon as word is out, this person is going to be, be after you. But then God makes provision, right? And I love how in the beginning of, of the, the scripture in Deuteronomy, it says, you know, set aside these, um, these cities in equal spaces and, and numbers. It also, um, it, also, it also says how important it is that they be, that, you know, if you extend your land, if you take additional land as Israel, and your territory expands, you have to appoint additional cities because otherwise it's going to become too far for people to run to the city of refuge and they'll be caught before they get there. Um, I also read a commentary that you know, was based on research during this time and it said that the, the roads that led to the cities of refuge were broad and they were smooth and they were flat so there wouldn't be hindrance so the people could run. You know, this guy could run. And he could find mercy and he could find grace in this city, in this safe place that was set apart. And, you know, we know, like many of us who grew up in, um, you know, in the church or with a religious background, you know, sometimes we, we just have, sometimes we grow up and we have a, you know, a, like a, a bit of a master view of God, especially when we think about the Old Testament, you know, God, um, you know, he's just out to punish us. And, you know, yes, God is just and yes, he has to punish sin, etc. But you can see... God's heart for mercy and for grace, even here, even in the Old Testament, even here he makes provision and he sets, he sets aside the city and he says, make sure it's not too far, make sure the road that leads there is easy to get to. 
so that they can escape and find mercy. And then, and then this guy's running, right? He's, he's running, and maybe, you know, maybe as he, as he gets closer, he can even see the avenger of blood coming, you know? And you can see, like, this guy's broken, you know? Because his family member is dead. And it's just, maybe it's this blind hatred, you know? It's this, this, this rage. He doesn't know whether it was unintentional or intentional. He just knows his brother is dead, and he wants to do something about it. He's a broken man. And he's pursuing you, and then he gets to the city, and, and, and this man has to stand in front of the city gates, and he has to plead his case. He has to literally shout what's happened to the elders of the city. And he has to say, listen, I just went to go cut wood, and the, the head of the axe just flew off, and it killed this guy. I'm innocent. Let me in. I'm sorry. And, um, and then the end, elders will let him in um, if, they, if they decide that that's the right thing. And then in time... He'll have, um, he'll have a trial. And the congregation, the people who live in that city, will determine whether they believe it really was unintentional or whether it was murder. And if it was murder, then they would release him and he would again be, be subject to death on, by the hand of the avenger of blood. Um, but if they decided that it was unintentional, he would remain there. He would stay in that city until the death of the high priest. And once the high priest had passed away, then... He was free to go, <clears throat> and he was free to return to his home and to his city and to, to re-engage in society. And, um, you know, to me, this is such a powerful picture of, of God's heart and of the gospel and his provision for us. Because if we think about it, we're all, we're all guilty, right? If you think about the New Testament, it says, if you so much as... As, as look at your brother with hatred in your heart, you have already committed murder, right? And so in that sense, we're all, we're all guilty or in need of the city of refuge, right? And there are many other things. Um, this guy had to remain in the city. He had to, he had to remain in the city. And, and, and we also need to remain in a place of intimacy with God and a place of closeness with God in order to be cleansed. Right? in order to receive that mercy, in order to receive forgiveness, in order to really walk in grace. Um, God, the roads that led to the city were, were broad and they were straight and there were many roads and the cities weren't too close. So he made it easy for people to enter into the city of refuge. And God, God doesn't want to hinder, right? Even Jesus said that, let, let the children come to me. Don't make it difficult for them. Don't set the bar too high. Let people come. Let them come and engage freely and let them know me so they can encounter me. And know my forgiveness and know my rest. God is merciful. Another thing that struck me about the scripture is um, how it says he had to remain there. And so in a way, he was still, even though he had received a safe place, he had received uh, protection, right, from the avenger of blood. It's the same of us, right? We have the, the, the enemy is called the father of lies, the one who steals, kills, and destroys. Um, and so in a very real sense, there also is an avenger of blood after us, someone who wants to draw blood, someone who wants to reduce us to nothing, someone who wants to see us destroyed and dead, right? But God has made provision for us as well. And, um, you know, even, even though in the Scripture where... You're living in that city, you're, 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 
You're enjoying protection. You're enjoying a safe place. You're enjoying refuge. But you're still, you're still not totally free, right? Because you're set free once the high priest dies. Then only may you return to your family and you may return to normal life and you may return to all the things that you've, you would normally do. And, and that to me is also such a striking parallel um, because we also have a high priest, right? And our, our high priest has died and he has been risen again, right? Jesus in, in Hebrews is called forever the, a priest according to, our high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Um, and he has died and he has risen again so that we may be free, so that we might enjoy that refuge, not just in a specific physical place, but everywhere we go. Just to read that scripture, Hebrews 6 verse, verse 17 to 20. Says, um, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So that we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. And so there's a safe place for us as well. This, this picture of, especially in a world that's so demanding and, and a world that becomes increasingly isolated, there's a place, of, a place of safety, a place of refuge, a place of belonging, a place that we can run to, a place, essentially, where we can encounter mercy and grace, right? Where we do not receive what we deserve, but where we receive His forgiveness based on His goodness, based on the fact that we call on His name. And we encounter real grace that enables us to, to transform and um, so I th- for me, what I felt God lay on my heart in preparation for tonight is that, that has, that's applicable to, on our lives on, on a couple of levels, right? And the one is on Joburg as a city, on, um, on us as a church, and then us individually or us and our families, Right? Um, when I was praying last year, and I was, I was, you know, it was in that time, and I was asking God for some direction and some and vision, <clears throat> I saw this picture of a, of a lion that was um, standing on the top of a hill um, just outside Joburg. And uh, there was a lion on the top of a hill overlooking the city, and this lion was, it was, it was early morning. It was like the first signs of light in the morning. You know, it was still dark, actually. You could almost see like, like light coming up early in the morning and, and this lion was just roaring over the city, just roaring, these massive roars. Uh, it's quiet, the city is sleeping, but this lion is standing on the, on the hill and he's roaring over the city and, and as this lion is roaring, there are lights all across the city that are resonating based on the lion's roar. So that roar causes these lights to resonate and they start, start to flicker up and they start to become brighter. And the lion continues to roar and these lights light up all over these strategic like little pockets over the city. 
till eventually there's, there's lots of light. Um, and there's people that can come to these different points of light. And I, I felt, you know, in this, in this picture, of course, that, that the lion represents Jesus. And that Jesus is actually, he's roaring over Joburg. He loves Joburg. And he's not, he's not standing by and just looking passively. He is bold in his roaring over the city. And he has a plan and a redemptive purpose um, that he wants to use all of us in, right? And so he's roaring um, and another place in Hebrews, it also says that he always, he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, always, right? Um, and then the, the lights, I, I, I felt, was, was churches, right? Not, not just shofar churches, but, but churches all over the city um, that respond to the roar of the lion. And then the light becomes brighter, and that light draws people in, right? But I also felt specifically that um, that this is, this is for us as a community here in Santon to be a city of refuge in the city of Joburg, right? Because if that is Joburg's redemptive calling, if that is Joburg's redemptive purpose to be a city of refuge, right? And Annie has also been sharing on the importance of cities and the fact that God, you know, speaks about cities and, and the city of God, you know, Jerusalem in the Old Testament and the New Testament and the new Jerusalem in, in in Revelations, God has a heart for cities, for communities of people that live in close proximity, right? And so if, if Joburg's redemptive calling purpose is to be a city of refuge, then that change, I don't know, would you say that it is that today? Maybe parts of it, maybe in pockets, but could certainly grow a lot more into that. And if that is to happen, then the church is going to be the change agent, Right? The church is God's only plan. <laughs> there is no other plan. There's no like plan B. Um, God has said, this is my bride. This is my body, right? Jesus being the head, us being the body. And the church is his plan, is its first and only plan to bring that change, to, to be an agent of grace, a place that dispenses that grace, that enables the city to change. And Joburg is such, a, such a, an amazing city and such an influential city in our nation, right? And on the, next, the rest of the continent. But um, for us, I believe it's going to start here. It's going to start here in our hearts, in our families, and in our church community, right? To become that city of refuge, that safe place, a place where people can come to encounter real grace, and we changed by the gospel. And so we influence a city and the city starts to change and society starts to reform because we are engaged in the city and we know that God wants to use us as that, that change agent. And um, just some, some examples, I, I hope that, um, you know, there's many examples of this and I, I feel that in our church, there's three ways God mainly wants to use us in, uh, in being a, a place of refuge in the city of refuge, or in the city of grace. Many of you know that um, Johannesburg, of course, the, the English translation of, of Johannes is um, James, and James means grace, right? And so Johannesburg literally is a city of grace, um, a city of refuge. And, and if we're to be a place of refuge in the city, I believe God wants to use us as a community in three ways to be a safe place, and to be a place where people can encounter grace and to be a place that, 
filters through into society. And the one is just outreach and discipleship, right? And we know that our vision as a church is to reach nations and generations through disciple-making leadership and church planting. And that's the same for us here in Santon. It's just reaching nations and generations in Santon, right, through disciple-making leadership development and church planting. Um, there's nations that are represented in Santon. It's not just nations in the sense of countries. It's nations in the sense of people groups, right? When the Bible talks about nations, it talks about ethnic groups. Um, and we have, just as a South African heritage, such a diversity of ethnic groups, but there's also such an international community of ethnic groups in Johannesburg. If you think about the Greek community and Portuguese community and etc., etc. <clears throat> and so... We are called to reach nations and generations here in Santon um, through disciple-making, leadership development, and church planting. And that's why we planted this church, right? It's in response to the vision God has given us. Um, that's the first way, outreach and discipleship, right? Reaching, reaching the city through connecting with them through the love of God, sharing the gospel, drawing people in, and discipling them to be a follower of Christ. Um, another way is influencing society, influencing decisions, influencing culture, right? We hear people sitting that are leaders in business, in education, in the arts, in medicine, in many different areas, and there are decisions that are made in those areas. There are innovative solutions that are needed to solve very real issues um, all over the place. And there's cultures that exist in business, in education, etc. And those cultures need to be transformed to reflect a kingdom culture, right? And then the third main way I believe God wants to use us as a place of refuge in the city of refugees um, is to look after the, the poor and the destitute and those who are truly vulnerable in society. And that's something that's sometimes so easily to forget in Santon where we see a lot of flashy cars and a lot of flashy buildings and... Um, you know, but literally a stone's throw from here, there are communities that just look like a different world, right? And, um, and that, I think, is that's something that we've been praying about in our church up to now. I mean, we're still a young church. We're about 18 months old now as a, as a church. Um, that's something that I'm trusting that God will connect us with even more and get involved um, to give and to sow and to heal in those areas of our city as well. Um, so outreach and discipleship, there where we are. Um, informing and influencing society in every realm and, and through mercy ministry in terms of those that are defenseless and, um, and subject to things that we are not. <clears throat> An example of, of discipleship um, in our church is, um, is someone like Jean, right? <laughs> not to put you on the spot, Jean. <laughs> but Jean, when Jean arrived this year in, this, in Joburg this time last year, he didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And, uh, he, uh, you know, through just guys in small group loving him and his housemates loving him and being exposed to the truth and God's presence in his church, he's a different man today. You know, he's been baptized. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit. He's gone on missions. He's facilitating all kinds of things. And um, just to me, such an encouraging example of true discipleship happening in our midst and I'm excited to see so much more of that. Um, you know, last week I spoke to a guy who um, is also, uh, he's also been in our church for a while. And um, he, 
he shared with me that there's just a lot of changes happening with him at the moment. Um, lots of changes happening at the moment. Uh, you know, commitments, and, and he feels a bit all over the place, and he feels a little bit out of control, and he's not sure about direction, and he's not sure about what the Lord is saying, and um, he, he came to church that night, and, and uh, you know, he's sharing some of these things, and I just said to him, you know, I feel like a lot of the changes that are happening is, I know it feels chaotic, but I, I really believe it's, it's progress, you know, I, I, like the Lord is taking you forward, it's not just, it's not just a mess, you know, even though you may not see it right now, and then, and then he just shared with me how Earlier in worship, someone prayed with him, and they, um, they shared with him how um, God showed them a picture of him climbing stairs, and, and he's standing at the last, st- the last step um, on the stairs, and um, he takes this huge step, and he's on this platform, and, um, and then, you know, this is what, he, what, what this guy felt to share with him, and then later on, Someone brought another word, and they, they shared a word around platforms. And um, he, he said he just broke down crying. <laughs> and he was just overcome by, by the goodness of God and the, and, and the detail, how specifically God would confirm to him what he's busy with, um, and that God's in control and that he's taking him somewhere. And so that's, that's church being a place of refuge, right? A safe place, a place where you can encounter God in community. And... Um, so for, for Joburg, for the church in Joburg, and then for us individually and, and our families, and I, I wanted to share just an example of, um, of we all have our own examples, but, but I have the mic, so um, <laughs> I, um, I was in Saudi Arabia two weeks ago, and um, interesting place, my first time to Saudi Arabia. Um, that's why Lauren and I came back. We felt like we've missed out on the first half of January, but we're back and we're excited. Um, and I was in Saudi Arabia and I, I um, <clears throat> was working there and was running a, um, I was running a workshop on um, you know, sort of finance and business acumen for a group of high potential uh, leaders in a consumer goods company, one of the biggest consumer goods companies in the Middle East. And um, then uh, I was speaking to the guys, and they all, there was this, I mean, the ladies wear the, those things, I forget the name, apologies, I know actually, what the, the? Burka, yes. Um, there was one lady who had an had a open face, and she was considered quite liberal, you know, she just had the, the head covering. Um, and, uh, and the guys wear the, the, the white, um, like a dress, essentially, long sleeve dresses. Sorry, I should know what, I, I do actually know what, I'm just not remembering right now. Um, and the, like a headpiece, a, a, a white and red checked headpiece with a black, sorry? Kufia. There we go, thank you. Um, and, and this one guy was quite a young guy, and he started chatting to me, and... Um, he was just like asking me all these questions, you know, he just seemed to be really curious and interested and I was like, cool, and, and then he, he asked me quite a philosophical question and then I responded in a certain way and he looked at me strange and I said, well, you know, well, I'm a Christian, so that, that comes from my faith. Um, I forget what it was and, and then he started asking me all these questions about faith and, um, and he was asking me what, well, like, what church am I in and, you know, what are the different sects that are in South Africa and... 
you know, um, I, I said to him, well, I'm in a charismatic church, you know, but, you know, we, and he was like, what's that? And I, I explained to him what the charismatic church was, and, and he was asking all these questions, and I really just felt the green light, you know. There was a lot of people sitting around as we were having lunch, and the other guys were, there was this one guy that was trying to change the subject all the time. <laughs> Because they're an, they're an Islamic nation, right? They like the government. The official like religion is Islam, right? Um, and I'm just like I said to him at one stage, yeah, "Is it okay that we're talking about this? You know, do we need to go find a room?" Or and um, and he's just like, "No, it's cool." And then I just saw such a hunger in his eyes, and I was just like, "You know what? I'm just gonna give it to him straight." And um, and he was asking about the different denominations, and I, and that was such a cool opportunity to share with him. Like, who is the Holy Spirit? You know, because he was asking about, you know, charismatic church and, and why it changed from another church. And, you know, I just said, because the Holy Spirit, you know. And, um, and, and who is Jesus, you know, and who is the Father? And um, he was just, like, eating all this stuff up, hungry for it, you know. He, he didn't, we didn't pray the sinner's prayer or, or anything like that, but I'm, I've been praying for him. His name is Nasser. Um, just that God, that those seeds would take root, you know, and that it would grow. But in that way, we are also like places of refuge wherever we go, right? I was able to be a, a place of refuge for him in that moment, in that workshop, in the Holiday Inn, in Riyadh. Um, and that's, that's God's will for us, right? To encounter real grace, to encounter real mercy so that we can know him and be changed forever, share in, in eternity with him. In, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, it, it speaks about... Uh, the Ministry of Reconciliation. And um, I'll actually just read it to us real quick. Um, it says, God, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the Ministry of Reconciliation. So he reconciled us to himself and he gave us the Ministry of Reconciliation. Right, And then later on it says, um, God was reconciling the world to himself and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So it's those two things. Can you see? He reconciles to himself. So, so we experience reconciliation firsthand. And then he includes us in his ministry. He gives us the ministry and the message of reconciliation so that we may be used by him in doing the same for others. But it's first an experience. It's first us ourselves being reconciled to him. And that principle is true for this being a, a safe place, a place of refuge, a place where people can encounter grace as well, right? I think actually it's much of the same thing. We first experience that with God ourselves, a place of refuge, a safe place, entering into Him, coming into His presence, speaking to Him openly, and receiving, receiving life, right? Receiving grace, receiving forgiveness. And then He includes us and He says, well, now you know me as as a safe place, as your refuge. Go and be that to others. Draw them in. Expose them to that. Tell them about what that means right? so that they may experience the same thing. And so on that journey, I want us tonight to, to be reminded of that. And I'm going to ask the band to come up and, and just um, continue playing in the background. Um, that God is inviting us tonight, us who are here, to a fresh experience Him as, a, as our safe place as our place of refuge, the place we go to to escape, right? The place we go to 
to receive relief from shame, from guilt, from anxiety, from confusion, from sin, right? To be forgive, forgiven and set free. You know, many of you, many of you know um, part of my testimony, and I, I for a long time um, had serious doubts about my sexuality, and I was addicted to, to gay porn and, and masturbation for six years. Um, and, uh, you know, then in um, April of 2008, God set me free. And, um, and a process of renewal of mind started. But there was still, there was two or three times that I, that I fell, you know, that I fell back into that, um, into the porn and the masturbation. And the last time that happened was April of 2013. It's almost six years ago. It was about, you know, it was a couple of... No, it was almost like six months before I got um, engaged to Lauren. And um, I was so discouraged, you know. I was so like, sure, it's been, you know, it's from April 2008 to April 2013. It's like five years, you know. I was, like, I thought I had enjoyed victory over this, you know. How did this happen? You know, I'm now back at square one and, and uh, I was just, I was really depressed and I was really angry with myself and I just felt really shameful and um, and, th- and then God God asked me to invite him in to that and uh, I was just like no it's, it's too gross it's too shameful you know it's, it's too bad and he was just like no you, you can't do this by yourself how can you a journey you started in grace how can you try and finish that in your own strength and so I was literally like I started when those temptations came I was just like I was literally say to him I was like Lord everything in me just wants to like look at this stuff give myself to it but I want you more than I want that help me and in that way God became a really really real place for refuge for me and I thought I had to fix that stuff before I can come to him but he was just saying let me in let me into that this is where you're going to encounter grace this is where you're going to have the power to change and I'm changed nothing I want to hide from him anymore but sometimes it takes real courage to go there for the first time or to go deeper than you've gone before but God wants us to know him as, as our safe place and as our place of refuge so that we can create that space and that culture here for others as well so let's just stand tonight
Yes, Lord, we just come to you tonight, Lord, and we just say that you are our safe place, Lord. You are our place of refuge, Father, and we thank you, Lord, that you are, you are taking this us as a community of faith, Lord, on a journey, Lord, to, to show real grace to others, Lord, to draw them in, Lord, to draw people in, Lord, and create an atmosphere where people can encounter you, Lord, can encounter your love, Lord, and your grace and your forgiveness, Father God, and know your goodness, Lord thank you that you're doing that tonight thank you that you're doing that this year Lord and for the years to come Father we we want to be that space Lord we want to be included in your ministry of reconciliation Lord your, your ministry of ex- extending grace Lord your ministry of being a safe place Father God we want to partner with you Lord and we want to be your facilitators in that Lord we want to know it first for ourselves, Lord. We need to know it first for ourselves, Lord. And thank you that you are so ready to, to, uh, to invite us in, Lord. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.jobo.com